hello. Happy Saturday. We made it to another weekend after surviving another dystopian week in this magnificent country of ours where, uh, well, we couldn't leave even if we would want to. But why would we want to? Everything is going so well. Uh, welcome into the Sports Kiki. It is episode number 25. My name, as always, is Alex Reamer. You can find us wherever Outsports Podcasts can be found. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Please download and subscribe to the show. It is much appreciated. Um, I'm going to start off quickly by tooting my own horn, but really by tooting your horn out there in a podcast world. Um, I've received a few messages over the last couple weeks, uh, random messages from people who I've never interacted with before telling me how much they've been enjoying the shows. And I say that because, uh, not to get too corny, but it means a lot to get that feedback. Um, as a freelancer, um, it can be pretty lonely. Uh, so it's pretty cool to know that people are out there consuming your work, enjoying your work. And these podcasts, especially for out, for us here at Out Sports, uh, are really labors of love. Uh, we record them ourselves, we produce them ourselves, we book the guests ourselves, uh, really are the definition of one-man band, one-woman band, uh, so that's what we do, and it's cool that people are consuming these shows and enjoying them, so always want to thank you for that, and I say it every episode, but I do mean it. If you ever have any guest ideas, show topic ideas, please let me know, because uh, that's what this podcast is. It is a podcast for the listeners, a podcast without listeners is just me talking into the abyss. And believe me, I do enough of that. Uh, But we have a good show lined up for you this week. We bring back one of my favorite people to talk to, Tony Paul. He's a sports writer for the Detroit News, an openly gay sports writer. He was on uh, several months ago at the start of the uh, coronavirus pandemic. We talked about uh, sports owners not paying uh, stadium staff, most specifically Jeremy Jacobs, owner of the Boston Bruins and head of Delaware North, uh, which has operations all over the country, including the Midwest, which is a Tony's region. So we talked about that a few months ago, bringing him back again this week to talk about uh, just all the stupidity <laughs> that's been going around. Um, just an absolutely insane week. Uh, we see more and more of our beloved team sports coming back, but Major League Baseball in particular encountering a lot of coronavirus-related problems on Friday night, 20% of Major League Baseball, the Nationals, Marlins, Blue Jays, Phillies, Cardinals, and Brewers all could not play their games because they either have coronavirus infections running rampant on their teams or on the on the teams they were supposed to play. So it's a total mess. Uh, Rob Manfred said earlier this week when the Marlins coronavirus outbreak uh, was first known that this is not a nightmare scenario. I wonder if now our fine uh, commissioner um, has rethought <laughs> his feelings on that. Uh, baseball, of course, not going with the bubble like they are in the NBA, WNBA, MLS, PGA, uh, tour, just, uh, you know, playing in home stadiums, traveling about, and what would you know? Players are testing positive like crazy because this virus is exceptionally contagious. So we talk about that. But we also talk about Tony Covers Sports Media, which I do as well. So we spend a lot of time discussing the media reaction to all of the latest uh, coronavirus news, including uh, a tweet that just enraged me this week from NFL Network anchor Kyle Brandt. Uh, he is an anchor for Good Morning Football, uh, which is the NFL Network's weekly morning show. I've never seen a minute of it. I never plan to because I have a brand in my head and don't watch NFL Network in the morning. Um, but 
This is what Kyle Brandt had to say. He tweeted this earlier this week when the Marlins uh, outbreak was first reported. Um, and of course, NFL players have been opting out all week long, including six players on the New England Patriots. It's well north of 30, and I'm sure more will be coming in the uh, in, in the ensuing days. Uh, this is what Kyle Brandt tweeted out earlier this week. There is a segment of the NFL media that seems to almost be rooting for COVID to affect the season. They want it. They see the Marlins news and say, yep, lots of luck, football. These are people who make their livings off football. I don't get it. Well, obviously, you don't get it, uh, Kyle Brandt. Um, Here's the thing that he doesn't get and doesn't understand. Journalists are paid to be critical. Journalists are paid to be skeptical. Journalists are paid to ask questions. We have a pandemic going on that's killed more than 150,000 Americans. As I mentioned, 20% of Major League Baseball teams could not play their games Friday night due to coronavirus outbreaks across the league. It is totally fair to ask how sports, how team sports are going to play on in the midst of the deadliest pandemic we've seen in at least a century. That is not an unfair question. That is not rooting for sports to not happen, as he and others have phrased it. But as I mentioned, Kyle Brandt probably doesn't probably doesn't understand that because he's not a journalist. He's a PR guy. He's a flack. He covers the NFL and draws his paycheck every week from the NFL. So if you draw your paycheck from the entity in which you cover, you are not a journalist. You are a hype man. You are a PR guy, which is fine. I'm sure it's worked very well for him, but Don't even pretend to understand journalism when you are the furthest thing from a journalist. You are a PR guy. It is not that sports writers and sports media people don't want sports to come back. We all do. Our livelihoods depend on it, as we talk about with Tony a bit later on. But again, it's our job to ask questions. It's our job to be skeptical. And it's our job to realize the reality we're in and say, hmm, Coronavirus cases continue to spike throughout the country. As I mentioned, this has killed more than 150,000 Americans. Kids are not even going to be able to go back to school in many areas of the country this fall. <laughs> and, and we're going to play NFL games? <laughs> really? I mean, so these are fair questions to ask. And Kyle Brandt says he doesn't get it. Yeah, he doesn't get it because he's he, he, he doesn't understand apparently how journalism is supposed to work. So that's the, the first tweet that sent me up a wall this week. Then we have Charlie Kirk. You may not know Charlie Kirk. If you don't, you are fortunate. He is the founder of Turning Point USA, which is this uh, college Republican group. Sounds like a real, a real fun bunch. Uh, they, of course, have had scandals with racism, sexism, homophobia. Because shockingly, if you're a college, <laughs> I'm shocked that this kind of organization has had these kinds of scandals. But he's the founder of it, and of course, is a big Trump guy. Uh, he's made a lot of money, uh, you know, just, just, you know, <laughs> uh, serving as one of Trump's hype guys, which is fine. It's, it's, it's quite a, it's quite a cottage industry. Um, so he tweets this. Thursday night, the NBA is restarting with two games. Every player kneels during the anthem to protest racial injustice. Charlie Kirk tweets out, Hilarious to see black NBA players who make millions a year take a knee to try and tell us black people can't succeed in America. Kick them out of the league. Done watching the NBA. Okay. Let me first say, as somebody who used to work full-time in sports talk radio, if you are still trying to drum up outrage... 
in 2020 over players kneeling during the national anthem, you've got nothing left. I mean, that is the hackiest, tackiest, lamest tact you can take to drum up fake performative outrage over players protesting during the anthem, which Colin Kaepernick started doing in 2016, four years ago, before Donald Trump was even elected president. I mean, so that's how far back we can go now. So it's just, believe me, if... Again, take it from someone who's worked in talk radio. If you are still looking to drum up kneeling outrage in in August of 2020, um, you're hacky, you're tacky, you've just got nothing left. And what makes us even sadder on Charlie Kirk's part, and many people pointed this out on Twitter Thursday night, is he's said he's going to boycott the NBA at least four times over the last seven years. From June of 2013... If you want to know why I stopped watching the NBA, you saw it tonight. He wrote then, rigged games, half efforts, receding hairlines, and busters. Okay, so that was June of 2013. Then we go to December of 2015. Here I am enjoying Christmas, and these NBA players are saying we need more gun control. It just doesn't stop. Okay, then we go to October of 2019, so this past fall. Retweet if you will not watch another NBA game because of their embracing of the evil Chinese Communist Party. And then we have his tweet on Thursday night. So that's at least four times over the last seven years where Charlie Kirk has threatened to boycott, stop watching the NBA. Something tells me he hasn't followed through with his threats. Something tells me he maybe even has never watched an NBA game in his life. I mean, really. So, and it's amazing. I guess it's not amazing that people fall for this performative outrage, but it kind of is because it's so shallow. It's so transparent. It's repetitive. There's nothing to it. I mean, what what a great life. You just get to recycle the same old stale-ass takes for years, and you make a lot of money, hundreds of thousands, I'm sure, doing it. That's a nice life. Um, And in terms of the general criticisms against the NBA and NBA players for their social justice stances, oh, they don't speak out against China. I mean, that is the definition of disingenuous whataboutism. Uh, Yes, I do think it is shameful that the NBA has not taken a stronger stance against authoritarian China from not backing up Rockets general manager Daryl Morey in the fall with his tweets uh, supporting the Hong Kong protesters to, as we found out this week in a great ESPN expose, uh, holding player academies in China where players were abused, turning a blind eye to that, including holding an academy in the province uh, in which Uyghur Muslims are uh, imprisoned in concentration camps. So totally, I am down to criticize the NBA and every corporation that stays silent about China to try to maintain its business interests. But one thing has absolutely nothing to do with the other. LeBron James not speaking out in support of Daryl Morey in October has nothing to do with LeBron James speaking out for social justice, racial justice, justice for Breonna Taylor. It it has nothing to do with it. Of course it doesn't. It doesn't take a Mensa candidate to realize these two things are mutually exclusive unless you just want to silence black athletes and you just want to silence outspoken black athletes. Then you can go to the disingenuous China thing, which Charlie Kirk has done. Senator Josh Howley did it. We talked last week extensively about Kelly Loeffler and how she's using her own WNBA players as political pinatas. These people just want to silence outspoken black 
athletes. And it's despicable, it's disgraceful, and uh, it's going to continue all NBA season long as they continue with their bubble in Florida. So enjoy that. Uh, Also enjoy our conversation with Tony Paul of the Detroit News. It's coming up on the other side of the Sports Kiki. Thank you, as always, for listening. And welcome back to the Sports Kiki podcast. We bring on one of our returning champions, one of my favorite people to talk to, whether it's here on the show or who was kind enough uh, recently to join me for an overnight radio spot, uh, Tony Paul. You know him from the Detroit News. Tony, how are you? Good, man. How are you? Doing well. Yeah, as we said before we started recording, same same stuff, different day here. Um, right. I want to talk to you about, and I saw you tweeting about this Friday before our call here. Uh, we have two more positive COVID tests on the St. Louis Cardinals. So Friday night, and the people will be hearing this, the show gets released on Saturday, but Friday night, 20% of Major League Baseball, the Nationals, yeah. Marlins, Jays, Phillies, Brewers, Cardinals, all have their games postponed. Um, this this going really well, huh? This this baseball restart. Yeah, uh, this is what happens when you don't put um, situations like this in a bubble. Um, you know, you look at you know the other sports that have restarted, and you know, particularly I've covered a lot of golf. I mean, it's completely bubbled off. I mean, there are two segments of the population at golf tournaments: people in the bubble and the people that are in the bubble, and they don't cross paths. Um, and that's, you know, they got the bubble with the NBA and the NHL and they're, they're kicking off again. But when you don't put these teams in a bubble, which major league baseball decided was too difficult and, and, and too taxing to do, um, this is what happens. Uh, you just, it's, it's a virus that clearly can't be contained very easily. And you talk about the 20% of teams. I mean, we don't know when the Blue Jays are starting. We don't know when the Marlins are starting. Uh, you know, but you talk about the 20% of teams. Well, the Tigers go to St. Louis for four games next week. So what does that mean? Is there going to be an issue there? I mean, it's just a complete ripple down effect when, when this virus is so contagious. So uh, you got to, I mean, baseball's on the brink. I mean, the commissioner can say what he wants and say that this isn't the nightmare scenario, which he had the gall to say on his interview with the, um, the Tom Verducci on MLB Network when the Marlin situation first happened. But you watch that interview. And you can see the fear in in Manfred and hear the fear in Manfred's voice. I mean, this is this is clearly an awful scenario. And I just if you talk to general managers around the league, you know, they admit they don't know how they're gonna get through this season. I mean, how many doubleheaders are you gonna have to play? And now the doubleheaders are gonna be baseball doubleheaders or high school baseball doubleheaders, they're gonna be seven innings. I mean it's and you don't know how they're gonna all be able to make that up. They're saying, Well, some teams might play fifty four games, other teams might play sixty and you know, the season was already a bit compromised. I was cool with it, with the 60 games, because, you know, it's kind of fun, kind of different, you know, kind of yeah. a sprint. But now when you have teams that might play 53 games and have a better winning percentage than the team that plays 60 games, and so they get in, it's just, it's falling apart. And uh, and I, I'd be stunned if this thing lasts another couple of weeks. Yeah, it's falling apart. That's a great way to put it. And, you know, it's so obvious that all these leagues, I mean, they're playing in front of empty stadiums, cardboard cutouts. I mean, it's only for the TV revenue. But to save the TV revenue, and especially that postseason TV revenue, I don't understand why baseball just doesn't... It seems like the only way to salvage the season is to just take a pause and say we are going into a bubble we're going to pause for a few weeks and pick this up again. I know you lose more games and they don't want to go past September 27th because of this second wave of the virus, which is crazy to think about because we're not even close to being right. the first wave. I mean, just 
I, I really don't see how this can continue. This this setup. No, I, I I don't think so. I don't I don't see it either. I mean, when you I mean you have teams that are going to go over a week without playing a game, and right. uh, yeah, the Marlins. I think they had another test today. So what does that bring them to? Eighteen. Uh, you know, more than half their roster on their thirty man, and then they got to dip into their you know their taxi squad and. They're out there trying to sign free agents, hoping that they come back and they test, you know, they test negative. And it's just, the, it's just a mess. And, uh, you know, the, like I said, you know, the season's compromised to begin with. It's not a regular season. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's going to go down with an asterisk for years to come when we look back on this season. Oh, remember that year when they only played 60 games? Well, you know, now it's even going to be compromised more than that with the seven inning double headers and teams not playing the same number of games and, uh, it's just, it, it's just, at what point does it become not worth it? And, you know, it's easy for me to say, I guess, because I'm not the one catching the TV checks and the TV checks are significant, especially in the postseason, as we all know. Um, but, uh, you know, my biggest fear is that someone dies and, and that's, you know, is that what it's going to take for the season to shut down? And, and that's frightening to think about. It is, and you even look at here in Boston, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez is a Red Sox pitcher. Right. He's 27. He's my age. He had COVID, recovered, but is still out of action dealing with heart issues. I mean, so, like, as mm-hmm. you say, what's the cost? Yeah, and that's – yeah, I mean, there's so many people that are that are affected right now. You know, you have – you know, you have obviously a lot of players, you have, but you have ballpark staff members, the coaches, you know, the coaching staff, our, our elderly population, we know that – the elderly population is high risk. I mean, it, you know, you had, you know, before the season, re- just before the season restarted, you had a Diamondback scout who was, I think, only 40, 41 years old who died from COVID um, complications. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's, you know, you hate to think about it, but I, it's almost like with, with Manfred's response, and when he called it not really a nightmare scenario with the Marlins, I just, I was baffled. I was stunned. And, and, and then I just thought, well, what is the nightmare scenario? And then you just go to, it's someone dying. And, and uh, man, if that happens, uh, baseball already looks pretty foolish right now. But if that happens, it's going to be awfully hard to recover from. No doubt about it. But you know, Tony, we just sound like a bunch of sports people who are rooting for sports to, to right. never come right. back. <laughs> I mean, right. So I want to mm-hmm. ask you, I know you cover sports media as I do. Uh, this has been a prevailing sentiment on the right for a while, but Kyle Brandt, who's an NFL Network anchor, he hosts their Good Morning Football show. I, I've never seen it. I don't know. But, but, he, but yeah, he, I don't, I don't he, know he, what that he, is. Because <laughs> <laughs> you have a brain, so you don't watch NFL Network in the morning. Um, but he tweets this week about how, again, sport doesn't understand why sports writers, sports media members are rooting against sports coming back. I mean, this to me is just, it's the most simple-minded it's such dumb thinking and uh i, I don't know just it, it, that that kind of just enrages me especially coming from someone like him who is not a journalist i mean he's basically a pr guy who right. catches his checks from the league he covers i mean uh, right. yeah it's yeah, enraging yeah you know i get a lot of of uh um i guess this is your podcast so i can swear but i get a lot of Do shit it. uh from my um for my followers because uh, of this very issue that uh, so for some reason they're, they're of the mind that I'm, you know, rooting for all these sports to, to not go back because, you know, I've been very pessimistic. Now I'm very pessimistic in nature, but um, <laughs> it's not the case at all. I mean, I make my living covering sports. Why? I don't understand why sports media would be rooting against sports coming back when we would need sports to cover to frankly survive 
and to keep jobs and to keep working. Uh, so I don't understand that line of thinking. I think the the reason that so many sports writers sound to maybe the untrained ears sound negative and sound like they're quote unquote rooting against sports to come back is because we're actually talking to people who are in the rooms who are making decisions about whether sports come back. And I talk to college athletic directors constantly. I talk to college coaches constantly. These people are in the rooms. And the pessimism that is relayed from them to me is where my pessimism comes from. And I'm relaying that from them to my Twitter account. And so, therefore, people assume that I'm just shooting off the hip and, and negative and saying, oh, sports aren't coming back anytime soon or whatever. It's not that. It's, I'm talking to athletic directors who, frankly, are telling me there's no way there's going to be college football this fall. I'm talking to college basketball coaches who have told me there's no way their season's going to start on time and that there's a good chance the NCAA tournament is played in July next year. But I, so I repeat this stuff, you know, obviously not out, you know, not outing sources that I talk to because nothing's beneficial. And we all know that, you know, those things like they like to come down in a, in a procedural order, but I'm just really relaying that. And so if that is taken as I'm negative and I don't want sports to come back, then so be it. When the reality is, I'm relaying what I'm being told from people all across college circles that college football is more likely to happen in the spring, that college basketball is likely to have their NCAA tournament in July. I mean, this is what I'm hearing. And so, you know, people want to take it one way. That's their, that's their right. Yeah. And, and also, you know, journalists like you are paid to be critical. You are paid to ask questions so, I mean, we have, you know, a pandemic that's killed more than 150,000 Americans. I would say it's pretty appropriate to ask questions about, you know, the real the real the right. realism of sports and college sports as you mentioned in particular coming back. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the reality of it. I mean, or I mean, there's, you know, everyone, you know, wants to be optimistic and you know, there's everyone wants to get back to our normal way of life, whatever that is. I can't even remember anymore. Uh, but that, I mean, we all want that, but the reality is, and it, particularly this falls with the college, because I've been on this for about two months about talking about college football. And I said two months ago, it might even been three, that it's very unlikely the season's going to be played. And, and I get so much pushback from football fans who obviously they want their football because they want to play fantasy because they want to gamble. They want to, you know, whatever. Football's the king. Everyone just loves football. And so diehard sports fans who, Often, and I have this with my own uh, couple, a sibling of mine anyway, who, you know, everything revolves around football. You know, there's no real world, you know, right. you know, it's all about football, you know. And so they can't wrap their head around that there's bigger issues in the world right now than football. Uh, but when you talk about college football in particular, you know, things I'm being told, you know, I talked to a high profile athletic director the other day and he's like, you know, we can control the players in the team meetings and in the workouts and in the bubble. But problem is college kids don't live in a bubble. College kids get out of the bubble and you can't control a college kid. I know when I was in college, I couldn't no. be controlled. I mean, and so that's, that's where the problem lies. I mean, and you look at Michigan state, Michigan state has shut down football for two weeks. Uh, and that's just off of a couple COVID cases. That's not even an outbreak, but they've shut down the program. It's just it, you have to look at it critically. You have to look at it realistically and say, how the, in the world are they going to do this? And then what's the liability if they do do that? And I've also talked to lawyers 
and I know this for a fact, there are high-profile lawyers who are keeping tabs of what schools are opening up, what schools are allowing practices to continue while they have positive COVID cases, and they're making a list. Why do you think they're making a list? Because there's going to be hell to pay if this thing gets really bad. And then you talk big-time dollars and big-time lawsuits. So if you, you just have to look at it realistically and take everything into account and just realize that it's probably not going to happen. And that's look, I hope I would love college football to be back. I just don't think in the world it's going to happen. I mean, to me, it's simple. If it's not safe for a college student to sit in an econ one on one lecture or share a dorm room with another student, right. how could it be safe for them to travel around and play football? <laughs> and play football. And yeah, it's the traveling, but it's also the simply the playing. It's the sport that, you know, has the least amount of social distancing right. of any of the sports. I mean, look. It's just, it's not realistic. And, you know, that's the thing. You have more and more schools that are going to, they're saying we're not going to have in-person classes. Originally, these, you know, a lot of these conferences were saying months ago, well, if there's no in-person classes, it's, we can't really have in-person sports. Well, now they're trying to change their tune because football is huge, huge money. We all know that. Uh, but, uh, again, you know, it comes back down to what are you willing to risk, uh, you know, to make this happen. And, the, and the, you know, they're going to lose a lot of money. A lot of schools are going to be in bad financial shape if there's no college football season this fall. We know that. Um, but, you know, health and safety has to come first. At least that's what everyone in college football circles says in every one of their press releases. And so if that's the case, then there's just no way they can have the season. No, absolutely not. Of course, they're not getting paid either, which is certainly right. also right. adds to this too. Um, right. so I know- that's the difference in the NFL. The NFL is getting paid, and those players have the choice whether they want to opt out. You're seeing more and more players opt out, uh, and that's going to continue. Uh, you know, So I have my doubts about the NFL as well. So. Well, how about the NFL? I mean, so to my count, I probably missed a few, but I counted uh, 33 players have opted out as we're recording of the season, including six Patriots. Um, I think the deadline is August 6th next week. Um, I, I mean, the NFL is an unstoppable force. I, I mean, right. they, they push ahead yeah. and do what they want, and we know you know their attitude towards player and player safety. But, I mean, what does your gut tell you about the NFL? Uh, yeah, I mean, I certainly think the NFL is more realistic to play than, than college football by a wide margin, obviously, uh, for a lot of the reasons you just said. But you said, what was that number, 30-something? I think I have 33 right now, yeah. Okay, it's not, it's, it's, we're, we're still in July for a little bit longer. I mean, we still have several weeks before the season, and we're already at that number. Um, I, I think that number is going to grow significantly, um, and uh, rightly so. And uh you know, the NFL is a different beast. Um, for starters, you know, their their TV money is, I mean, ungodly. I mean, we know that. Uh, NFL owners profit. Um, they turn a profit for the season before they sell a single ticket. So that just tells you that they don't need fans. Um, so uh, they're, they're in a different boat in, in the financial regard where it's all about TV. You know, the other sports, are, baseball is basically recouping losses through TV where the NFL would be profiting through just with the TV. Um, so it is different. Uh, and the NFL's history of, of giving a, a, a rat's ass about health and safety is pretty well documented. Um, I mean, they don't even try to hide it half the time. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm sure that if they can play, they will play. Um, I think they're way more likely than college football, of course. Uh, but, uh, again, I just I just worry about where – where we draw the line and where what the tipping point is um 
you know, and who knows, it might all work out, you know, you know, I thought there was a tipping point on the PGA tour three weeks yeah. in when they had the, the outbreak at travelers in right. Connecticut and they, um, a, this commissioner was immediately in front of the cameras, wasn't hiding, immediately said, we have a problem, immediately said, we have to increase testing. We have to increase our safety protocols, change, uh, updated all the protocols on the fly. Um, and since then they've had one positive case and that was in Detroit and they haven't had any sense. Um, so it, they got it right. Now they have a bubble and, uh, you know, that's huge. Um, but it worked for them. And so who knows, maybe it'll work for these other sports. I just, team sports are different. Uh, there's too, there's so much contact and, uh, you know, I just, uh, I, I just don't know what any way to contain it. You know, it's just, this thing is so contagious. I mean, it's, yeah, it's just, it's tough to wrap your head around just how, how tough this thing is to contain. And, you know, but if the NFL wants to play, they're going to play. Yeah. I mean, that's the NFL, that's the NFL way. I mean, it's, it's about money and it's about the owners. It's not really about safety and it's not really about the players. Never well, has what's been. Interesting, what's interesting to me though, about, about the NFL is, you know, I mean, every single time a player steps onto the field, he is putting his health in danger exposing himself to concussions, uh, head trauma later in life. And, you know, players just brush that aside. And as we know, like Dante Hightower, for example, by opting out of the season, he was due to make something like eight, nine million this year for the Patriots. Right. He's given up the chance to make any real money again for, for at least the Patriots. Um, and that's so right. rare in the NFL for players to give up chances to make money in the short window in which they can, as we know, the average career only lasts about three years. So it's a little, I am a little surprised. I will say that we've seen already so many players opt out because I mean, as I mentioned, they, they play through concussion fears, but I guess maybe it's COVID is immediate. Whereas if you're a 25 year old to say, Oh, maybe I'll have head trauma when I'm 50. I'll deal with that then. I don't know. That's, that's one of the, the prongs where, yeah, COVID can take you tomorrow. I mean, that's the, there's such a great unknown about COVID too. There are so many people that get through it. I mean, you know, this week we talked up and there's a golf tournament going on in Grand Blanc. The senior tour is returning or the champions tour. And Jack Nicholas is up there and he had COVID. He's 80 some years old. His wife had it and they, it was no big deal for them. They, they dealt with it for three weeks and they're fine. Uh, and then yet some people, it just, it's so immediate and so devastating. Um, and so uh, I think that's the big, the big fear of this disease is that there's so much unknown. Like if you get it, will you be gone tomorrow um, or will you be fine? And so that's why the, you know, few people are, well, you know, I'm a diabetic, so I rarely go out. I'm not willing to take that chance. I don't know how I would react to it, but I'm not willing to find out. Uh, so that's one prong to it as far as the instant thing. But the other thing is, too, is that it's not just affecting the player on the field it's affecting their family and a lot of, you know, and their wife and their kids uh, if they bring it home. And so I think that's the other fear factor. I think that was the fear cited with many of the baseball players who decided to opt out with young children. They're just not willing to put their families at risk. I think that's the bigger issue. Right. No, absolutely. It affects other people. Um, How much do you think the NBA is going to miss Charlie Kirk? He seems like such a big fan. Yeah. Yeah, like I was telling you before we hit the button, I don't know how Charlie Kirk keeps ending up on my Twitter timeline because I, I could have sworn I don't follow him. And I looked today when I saw his latest tweets and I don't follow him. But somehow I follow enough people that retweet him and, and he somehow always ends up on my 
on my um, feed, but um, I, I, I'm sure the NBA is in tears and devastated that they're going to lose Charlie Kirk as a fan. I don't know how they're going to survive. <laughs> JJ Reddick said uh, last night that he doesn't give a crap whether Donald Trump watches or not, which is totally right. Um, but I mean, Charlie Kirk, just to, I use him as an example because, you know, I used to work every day in sports talk radio and kneeling talk and complaining about kneeling during the anthem is the cheapest and lamest and hackiest like thing in the world. I mean, if you are still in 2020 looking to drum up performative outrage over kneeling, you've got nothing yeah. left. I mean, you've got nothing better. Right. Just, um, I mean, it's, it's just such pathetic performative outrage. Um, I mean, Kirk, he's threatened to boycott the NBA four times since 2013. Yeah. It's amazing to me that people fall for this, but, you know, they do. So. Well, it's it's so easy to, you know, if you have an audience, which he, uh, I, I looked it up, he does have nearly 2 million followers or whatever. Um, so he has an audience. So when you have an audience, you can say whatever you want and you can, you know, make an impact, I guess, to some people. Um, but, uh, you know, the kneeling thing just drives me nuts. Um I don't understand, you know, I mean, and, you know, I didn't have a problem with it when Kaepernick first did it I, at all. Like, I mean, clearly he was making a statement. He wasn't hurting anybody. And, uh, and now here we are in 2020 and the big talking point that people like to bring up is, well, I'm all for peaceful protest. You know, it's when it turns violent. Well, I don't think there's any more peaceful protest than a football player taking a knee during the national anthem. Right. Yet that was such an outrageous thing. It's just so hypocritical it's just it's just whatever side you're on, it's going to be, doesn't matter. You push the goalposts until it fits your narrative. Uh, it's just ridiculous. Uh, the kneeling thing, it's becoming clearly more acceptable now. Uh, and, you know, but, you know, for, but then the Tigers and um, their opening game against the Reds, they took a knee, not even during the national anthem, but during the, the Black Lives Matter protest before, um, uh, mentioned before the national anthem. And so the Tigers posted a picture on Twitter, and the, the reaction was typical. I'm not watching your games anymore because of this. You're kneeling during the anthem, which they weren't kneeling during the anthem, but that's beside the point. Apparently, you know, facts don't really matter. Um, but it's just, you know, all these people I'm not going to watch, you know, first of all, 95% of them are full of shit. You're absolutely going to watch. You know, you, it's easy to hop on the internet and say, I'm never watching again. And then that night be cracking a beer in front of your TV and watching the game. And no one, you're not putting that out there on Twitter for the world to see or Facebook. You know, it's just so ridiculous. You know, sports are huge. Everyone's really into sports right now because, you know, there's not a whole lot else going on. So, you know, it, the whole thing, the boycott thing is so stupid. I mean, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And Donald Trump isn't going to watch a basketball game. I, I'm pretty sure Donald Trump hasn't watched much basketball in his life anyway. So I, I'm not really sure that the, the nation's going to cry over that. No. I will say this, though. How legitimate do you think the argument is that, okay, LeBron James is, you know, talking about Breonna Taylor and social justice and racial justice, but yet he's silent when it comes to China. And the NBA embraces Black Lives Matter, but we find out this week, thanks to an excellent ESPN investigation, that, you know, uh, players are being abused or were being abused at uh, – there are Chinese academies, one of which was in the province where the concentration camps are, are, are you know, are for, right. the, for the Uyghur Muslims. Do you think that that argument has any legs or do you think that's just disingenuous whataboutism? 
Well, it is what about ism. I mean, yeah. anytime you turn, you know, I mean, anytime you turn one thing into another, you know, that has nothing to do with it is what about ism. I mean, and that's what about ism is one of the biggest. It's it's, it's one quite of the a biggest trick. plague. It's one of the biggest plagues in this country right now. I mean, you can't go a day without even in casual conversation with a friend without someone doing using that trick and that tactic. It's so annoying. Um, so that, yeah, it is absolutely that. But it's you know, I mean. You know, it, it raises a question of, you know, I mean, the NBA clearly had a China problem that they kind of ignored. Um, and, uh, you know, so it is an issue. I mean, if you, you know, if you, you know, you have to be, con- you know, you should be consistent. If you're not, you're hypocritical. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, I think that's an issue. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's sports too. It's, you know, it's what's acceptable. You know, where were these players during the, you know, where were these players during the Kaepernick protest? You know, I mean, there were a few of them. But it wasn't like it is now. But now it's acceptable. And so now you can come out and do it um, where, you know, so that's just kind of where we're at. I mean, the, you know, the NBA's, you know, the, the road was paid for the NBA by essentially by Kaepernick. And so now they're, they feel more comfortable coming out and speaking on Black Lives Matter, which is great, which is absolutely excellent. I love the fact that they have the messages on their jerseys, um, whereas the, the China issue hasn't become acceptable for them to, to tackle. And, uh, you know. That's sports. It's all a marketing game. It's all a branding game. It's what's going to be okay with the majority of your fan base. And now they've, they've taken the, you know, the equation, they've done the equation that, uh, you know, addressing the Black Lives Matter movement and uh, being supporters of that and uh, showing that on a daily basis is now acceptable. And so, therefore, they're willing to do it. Right. Tony, Paul, read him at the Detroit News. Tony, what, what good stuff do you have coming up uh, for, for our readers? Our listeners. Oh, really exciting stuff. I'm covering a Champions Tour golf tournament this weekend. I know that uh, – don't get too excited about it, but uh, so, thrilling stuff. So have you been covering these tournaments in person or have you been doing it remotely? The PGA Tour event, which was only about two miles from my house uh, in Detroit, um, I covered in person, which was interesting. Um, it was actually kind of neat. I mean, I hate to say this, but I prefer it without the fans because <laughs> I, I could get around the course a whole lot easier. Whereas when you have 50,000 people, it's a little bit of a tricky thing to navigate. Um, so I did that in person. It was kind of cool, but it was very, very scaled back as far as um, it was the first event I've really covered since COVID. And, um, uh, you know, there was only like 30 credentials issued. Last year, they issued 500. Um, all the player interviews were done over Zoom, even though they were like on the other side of the wall. Um, it was just very weird. Uh, but fun to get out and cover something again. And without the fans there, I mean, it was like they were playing a golf tournament for me. Like I was, I could walk it and be the only, you know, one of 15 observers on the course. It was pretty neat. Um, the champions tour event is in grand blank, which is near Flint. Um, and I'm not covering that in person. I was up there early, earlier this week doing some stuff, but I'm not covering that in person. They make it easier where you can do it remotely. And they have a lot more people on site. Um, than the PGA Tour did, in um, in that they had a they actually held a pro am yesterday, uh, which the PGA Tour is not doing pro ams because they can't test all these you know corporate big leagues that are playing. There's a lot more people that are through the doors at Grand Blank, and again, maybe I'm too cautious or whatever, but you know I am a diabetic, so I'm I'm not too keen on that. So I'm gonna hang out here and and cover it remotely. So um, but. I'll be covering a lot of the college football fallout, which is coming fast. Um, probably within the next week, I think we're going to have some definitive answers. Um, so I'll be covering that uh, pretty significantly as well. 
All right, stay safe. Tony Paul, you can follow him on Twitter, at Tony Paul 1984 a very good and lively follow. Tony, stay safe. Thanks for coming on the show, as always. All right, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, as always, for tuning in to another edition of the Sports Kiki Podcast. Always great to catch up with Tony, a like-minded guy. And, uh, yeah, follow him on Twitter. He's a good follow, at Tony Paul 1984 You can also, of course, follow me on Twitter, at AlexReamer1 is how you can find me there. That, again, is at AlexReamer1 against my better judgment. My DMs are open, so always feel free to drop me a line. So long, everybody. Talk to you next weekend.